Hey everybody, welcome to Hey It's Me Paul with Paul Kilmer. Uh, my name is Funky Sam Medina. I'm super excited to be doing this podcast with Paul. Paul is a magician, comedian, comedian, magician. Uh, I'm not sure what you want to call him, but he is a hell of a great dude nonetheless. And ladies and gentlemen, Paul Kilmer. How you doing, Paul? Hey guys, it's me, Paul. All right. I'm doing fantastic, Sam. It's good to uh, hear your voice again. Um, uh, Likewise. Yeah, I mean, that wasn't awkward, but... Uh, <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. That's kind of the name of the game, right? We'll fix it in post. Nah, we don't need to fix it in post. We'll, we'll, put, we'll make no, it more awkward. Oh, post doesn't go into the budget, okay? Okay. There's no budget for fixing it in the post. We're, we're, we're like pro wrestlers. we got to get it right the first time. <laughs> that rarely ever happens. Um, <laughs> the, best, the best matches are organically... Uh, are are mostly all mistakes, but you know, all my wrestling fans will agree. As are as are the best podcasts. Oh yeah, who'd have thought? Um, but uh, yeah, I'm doing good. I'm feeling good. Uh, I I am a comedy magician and uh, a children's entertainer, which always sounds better in my head than it does out in the world. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, no, that's true. I do. I, uh, um. So I'm doing this podcast with you, and I'm I'm telling I'm telling funny stories that's happened to me so, over so, my career. Yeah, hell yeah, Paul. So you are in Connecticut, correct? Yes. What's growing up in Connecticut like? Uh, right now it's it's cold and depressing, and every day bleeds <laughs> into one another, and uh, you can go to Starbucks and order a seasonal depressant seasonal depression latte and uh yeah i mean um it doesn't pick up here until spring we're pretty much a spring and fall type of place that that's that's what we do the best is like spring and 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 fall falls definitely a new england season that we love and nothing else I like the uh, the seasonal depression latte. I, I'll take that with. Uh, uh, yeah, I, it's not on the main know. menu. You you have to ask for it specifically. Yeah, absolutely. It's just, it's just a large espresso cup. It's just a it's just a large <laughs> cup filled with espresso. It'll get you through the day, and you won't be able to poop. I figure a depressional latte would be just a cup of water. No, no, it's. <laughs> That's real depression. Uh, so, <laughs> so Paul, you are yeah. a magician, comedian, comedian, yes. magician. Yeah. Um, you, you were a magician first, though, right? Yeah, I, I, I was. I was a magician first. I specialized in sleight of hand with cards, coins. I was a close-up magician. I worked in mostly bars and restaurants, and then I made my way into kids' magic and. Um, I do a lot of autism advocacy and I've kind of combined the whole thing into a presentation where I go in and I try to motivate people on the spectrum or people with disabilities to, you know, follow their dreams. And uh, I, I'm a, like I said, I'm a children's performer. So I perform in libraries and schools and 
um, that definitely took off. And I'm a balloon twister, so I like to make animal balloons and, um, you know, things, uh, you know, before COVID throat punched my, you know, career like it did to everybody. Hi, Athena. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, and now I found a whole new family online and I, you know, it's like, you know, my career didn't end and things are co coming back. And now I have a whole new, uh, I have a whole new, um, uh, outlet for my magic and comedy and the whole magic and comedy and ma comedy magic is sort of like a, like a, like an inside joke for me because it's all the same thing. It's just, I like people, my favorite thing is when people, it's like, well, I want magic comedy. And it's like, well, and I don't want comedy. They don't, they don't realize it's, <laughs> it's the same thing. It's the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm just, you're just a funny, just like, joke. not just, but like you're, you're a magician. That's really funny. And so, right. It, whatever you want to call it, it is the same yeah. thing. Because, um, you know, the thing is, is that like, I love doing the comedy magic, but sometimes I just like to do like a set where I'm just doing, just doing jokes and, um, uh, you know, uh, yeah. things are, uh, things are going good right now. And, um, I, you know, uh, my birthday's on the 14th and, uh, I, I'm going to be hosting my own open mic virtually and this, these, this virtual world we live in, I, I've connected with people from Hawaii, California, England, the Midwest, wherever that is, um, you know, Canada, Mexico, Malaysia. It's really cool. It brought me to a group of people that I'm really happy I've met. Yeah, I agree. And I can't, I, I can't emphasize like anymore, like how, how grateful I am. Like the pandemic is terrible. It's horrible. It's, it's really bad. But the, the people that we've met because the community that flocked to the internet um, has been amazing. We, we met some amazing comedians, including yourself, Paul. Like, I'm really glad that I met you. You are incredible. And uh, I remember the first time I met you, uh, I was just blown away by your magic. You're awesome. Well, I mean, um, you know, when I first started the Zoom, when I when I first started doing open mics, because uh, I uh, before the pandemic, I had a year and a half to perform on real stages. Yeah. And then the second half of my comedy career was exclusively online. I think that goes for a lot of comedians. Um, but I've only been doing actual stand up for two years and I, I've learned so much from all the show runners and uh, you and um, everybody. And I just uh, stick to what I'm good at. And I, I think what it is, is that if you stay true to yourself, like I am, I am, so, I'm a, I try to be as positive as I can be. I try to be sickeningly positive. <laughs> um, I, tr I try to be. Um, yeah, because no, the alternative are, are. is just full blown depression, and I'm not willing, ready to go back to that yet. Um, so I try to be as uh positive as I can, 
And I've always tried to support people. That's another thing that I always found really important is if you support people, they'll, they'll support you. And Mm -hmm. that is the, uh, my mission statement is I try to support as many people as I can. And it, it comes back to you and sometimes in ways that you don't, you're not uh, necessarily, you don't understand, but all the showrunners I've met, I plan to come out and bother you guys in real life one day. You guys I would are used that. to me online. I'm going to be living with you for like three to four months. Uh, I mean, you know. I don't know if I would love that, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that was that was a joke, but not I know. really. So was um, mine. So was mine, Paul. <laughs> it's like, Sam was like, well, the rent better be coming with that. But <laughs> I'd love to hang out with you at a comedy club and then go home. <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'll stay at the comedy club anyway yeah, um, that works hey but, but if you uh, are ever in town and we're doing shows live shows and it can work out i would anytime i would love to have you on a show because you are amazing you're funny uh your magic is just like it just draws people in it really does i love it yeah um i kind of want to go back and touch on a few things that you mentioned yeah uh mm-hmm. you did mention that you're an um an autism advocate uh, yeah. which i think is great because uh, you are showing people um, that somebody with autism can defy the odds. They can yeah. do things that they're told they can't do. Um, yeah. Can you just touch on that a little bit about like how you feel yeah. um, being an autistic um, person and being an, uh, an advocate for autistic people? Yeah. Um, so I grew up in the 90s, which means we kind of had to figure things out for ourselves. Yep. Yeah. Um, uh, I always tell people it's like, I'm the typical nineties kid. Uh, my, my mom and dad split up and I went to go live with my aunt and she raised two autistic kids really well. And I am the byproduct of that. And as a 37 year old man, I kind of sit there and I think it's like, man, I put a lot of work into this and I'm starting to reap the rewards of it. But I really do like to show people just not people on the spectrum, neurotypical people too. It's if you put the work into what you're doing, I don't care if it's like you're in sales, you're a magician, you're a comedian. If you put the work in there and you grind, you're going to get some kind of um return back in um what i've met so many kids in so many different special ed groups and i I hate the word special ed um but that's what they called it when i was in school it's like oh he you know he's in special ed and it's like really i just needed extra support The, the it should just be called extra support uh extra support and structure room you know it's yeah because without the people in my life you know pushing me hounding me it's like oh paul you you know you're good you're better than that you know you deserve to be paid you're you know you you practice so hard because i think from the age of nine until i was 19 i would practice my tricks for three hours a day every day and then i I started uh, getting booked and it's so funny because 
And this is a funny story. I always specialized in card magic. I do some coin tricks, but um, uh, my grandfather, my grandmother's friend said, oh, do you want to come perform for my friends uh, in our backyard? And you could do magic. And it's like, so there's a big difference between having a magic show and knowing three card tricks. <laughs> That's probably very true. They didn't, no one ever said, it's like, oh, here, it, like, it, okay, so it, if you read magic books, it, they basically tell you how to put the show together. But I was only interested in learning the card moves, the card tricks. And it's like, I, I confuse this group of elderly women for about an hour and a half. And I did the same card trick over and <laughs> over again. And I was so excited. And I was so excited. And I was, I, I, I was so excited and so positive they were gave me a standing ovation but had no idea what i had done and that was my very first and it's so funny because the lady god bless her heart she paid i was like 15 at the time she paid me with a she paid me with a 20 dollar check wow i was 14 what am i gonna do what <laughs> what am I going to do with that? Oh, honey, I don't keep any cash in the house. Here's a check for you. <laughs> what, what am I going to do with what, what do I do? What do I do with this? I didn't, I didn't, but that was my first thing. And oh my God, my first kid show. Um, thank God somebody pulled me aside. Uh, a, another magician in the state. He's like, he, he says, it's like, do these six tricks. Um, follow the script and you should be fine. And he was right. But I'll never forget the very first card trick I did was for a six-year-old. My demographic is usually six through 10. And uh, those are my people. And again, I, I apologize. That's really weird to say, but. Um, <laughs> In the context of uh, you being a ch children's musician. Yeah. I can't even talk. Go on. So basically what, what happened was, and I will never forget this. I learned three things about doing children's shows. Um, leave before the pinata is broken out. Always get your pay up front and always have, always get a deposit. Those are the three things that I learned. And I kind of learned everything the hard way. And my favorite, this is my favorite story. And um, so it was my first show and things went great. I did my six tricks. I had some funny gags in between. I, you would be, so, and you as a performer know that as a comedian, you have five minutes and you'll get up on stage and it's like your time's gone. Well, when you do a kid's magic show, it's like, oh, everybody liked it. Everybody clapped. All, I handed out my, I, I, there's me in my little suit. I had a little, I had a suit. Um, I, I was, at this time I was like 19 or 20. So I had my suit and I had my little hat, my fedora, because I was a magician and it was like, <laughs> the, it was 2008 and you just, everybody had a fedora. Ask, ask your older friends. If you're, if you're a younger millennial, every older millennial has a fedora. That is, uh, that is what, well, there's no reason for it, but we did. I thought I was so cool. Um, and uh, 
So I finished the show. I pack up my stuff. I, I did balloon animals. I didn't know I was supposed to charge for them, but I, I did balloon animals. Um, and I walked up to the mom and the dad. Here's where the story gets a little awkward. The mom and the dad were getting divorced. Oh, wow. I'm like a 19 year old kid. I don't, uh, my parents were divorced, but of course I don't know what that, what that is. I just want my check. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Or my cash, which I, I put in my little thing. It's like, please give me cash. And, or whatever their marriage yeah. stuff yeah. is, that's none of your business. You're there to do your job. Yeah, get paid and get out of there. And this is, this is the crazy thing. This is the crazy part. The wife looks at the husband and you know how a wife can look at a husband and their relationship had dissolved like a year and a half prior. And they had this like five-year-old kid. The wife says, well, Jeremy, it's time to pay the magician. And because she said that to him, he exploded (laughs) and they started yelling at each other. And then because he booked me as a present, I was a, this kid loved magicians. He booked me as a present. I talked to him. I negotiated. Everything seemed fine. He's like, I'm not paying anyone. And then he leaves. Oh, wow. He leaves. He broke his own screen door because he couldn't figure out how to unlock it. Wow. And then he peeled out of his own five-year-old's birthday party. Yeah, that's a guy that I divorced too. And um, and then the 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 mom freaks out and leaves and goes in the room. And what? there are kids crying. There are all the adults are they're silent, and I'm just kind of looking around. And one of the grandfathers comes up and says, it's like, look, you didn't deserve that. Here's how much do it. And it's hundred. This guy took like $150 in cash out of his wallet. And he says, it's like, look, I'm going to give you $200. And th- th- that's part of it's a tip. You did a good job and you didn't deserve that. And I was like, that's awesome. But I didn't, I was 19 and I did not care about, anything yeah it just became an awkward story to tell in my stand-up but that was my first kid show that is a very awkward story and the fact that you kept doing shows after that experience you know says a lot about your character because a lot of people would have just said nope i'm not doing that again well it's just it's like um i was just stoked because I only charged them 150 so he tipped me 50 bucks. So I was like, yeah. oh, that's cool. And then being like and, a first-time um, show, you know, a 19-year-old yeah. kid, that's a big tip. That, for me now, that's a big tip. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what's interesting about that entire situation is um, that kid, that's, his, that's the memory he has of his five-year-old birthday party. And I was like, mm-hmm. at least I... I, at least I was the, I was positive, I was a positive because that kid, I, I, it would, cause that's the thing I love about being a magician is, is that because I'm a children's entertainer is I'm often the first magician these kids see. And, um, I have kids that I did a show for when they're five and they remember me when I'm, when they're like in their teenagers. Wow. 
And that's so wild because, you know, it's just, it's, I know comedy's different, you know, but to just be a positive influence, like, it's like, oh, I love Met because I've met people, older people. I hate magicians. I had a magician at my birthday party. He was mean. <laughs> he was mean. And I was like, and he made my he, mom disappear. Yeah, it's, oh, I hope not because that's still a <laughs> felony in Connecticut, but, um, uh, uh, as a it's it's basically like this. It's like as a comedian, how many times it's like, oh, I went to a comedy club and this guy bombed and he made fun of me. Yeah, there are, there are literally people who go to a comedy club and have their seats moved back a row because they don't want the comedian to make fun of. It's you know, people um, like that that make it harder for entertainers like us to do our job. Yeah, absolutely. I work uh, security at a comedy club pre-pandemic, and You'd be surprised how often I'm sitting people in the front and they go, oh, no, we, we don't want us in the front. Yeah. We don't want to get picked on. Like, it's very yeah. often that that will happen. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of a lot of times I'm able to be like, uh, go up to another couple and be like, hey, I got front row seats open up. You guys want them? You know? Yeah. Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But there's a it, lot of times where people will give up. Like, they'll yeah. trade, like, seats for the back for the front because they don't want to get picked on. It's very, very often. I'm, I was surprised. Yeah. And, and, and it's like, um, you'll, you'll, I, I hear the same thing. It's like, Oh, I don't like magicians because I, and, and I'm like, someone said that to me and I was like, well, how about this? I'll show you what we're like, cause you know, it's, it just goes to show you that if you're a little bit nicer and you're, yeah. you know, it, and it's like, I'm not bashing people. Um, there are amazing people who do crowd work and stuff like that. And I'm not bashing anyone, but it's just, wouldn't you just want to go to a show you worked all week, you, you worked really hard and now you're just trying to relax. And then you have this guy on stage and he just zeroes in on you like a heat seeking comedy missile. And he visits yeah. like, you're a jerk. And, and now I've seen, and I've actually seen it with magicians and um, other comedies where the entire audience is flip will flip on them. They, 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 mm -hmm. you know. Hi, Theta. Um, I love you. Um, so uh, you know, uh, you, you know, it's it's just one of those things that it just makes it harder to do because there are people who are really good at crowd work. And then there are people who just try to punch down on the audience because, you know, it's just like, but like I said, I've only been doing comedy for two years. I don't feel like I, you know, it's just like, I, I try to be a lifelong learner. If somebody gives me advice, I take it. I put it in a notebook. I write it down. If somebody gives me advice, I write it down and I do it as a show of respect and mainly because I forget things really easily. So I'm not going to. I'm not going to remember, not going to remember at all. Um, and, you know, but uh, I, that's what I took away from being a magician. Um, when I first started in magic, because of my autism, when somebody would give me constructive criticism, I thought they were making fun of me. It took another older magician to say, it's like, hey, this is what constructive criticism is. And it's not bad. Yeah, yeah. And I was in, and now I love constructive criticism. Constructive criticism can mean, can mean, uh, 
can, um, it, you know, it's like if somebody says to me, it's like, oh, that joke didn't land. I immediately go back and try to figure out a way to uh, make it work because that can decide whether somebody's going to book me on a showcase or not. Or um, that's it's like I often tell people it's like <laughs> someone got angry at me because I erased I hid their post. And I was like, it was really dirty. It was really blue. But moms do deep dives on my Facebook to uh, see if I'm appropriate enough to have at their kids parties. And I have to explain that. It's like, look, I'm I'm all for dirty humor. I like fart jokes. And some some comedians are super good at it. But when uh, when a mom is trying to hire me for their kids like fourth birthday party and you've posted up a joke about some lady's uh, vagina I gotta, I gotta remove it. It's nothing personal. Yeah, it's, yeah. You know, um, you gotta protect. You gotta protect your business. Yeah, and I very rarely had to do it, but it's definitely always awkward. And it's like then it be, then I had this. It's like oh, this is freedom of speech, and I was like, well, okay, yes, it is freedom of speech, but I also am a children's magician and. <laughs> somebody somebody argued with you removing their post on your page as freedom of speech yeah it's something he was offended that's ridiculous had, though that's ridiculous because yeah. i mean it's your page it's your page it's yeah whatever you want it to be there's no freedom of speech there the the constitution yeah, of the united states yeah. doesn't roll over your facebook page yeah i i know but i it's like uh, th- that's just me i i'm i always yeah. try to but it, but it's just, I remember, and it's like, I've had family members post up and it, and it, and it's, and it's, and I think it's, it's funny, but it's like the, the moms who are trying to hire me for these kids' birthday parties probably don't appreciate that. Yeah. Um, the same thing happened to me during the president's that when the, when the, the last election, mm. oh my God. I had to like moderate my Facebook page every day. Oh wow! Because I had people on the right, I had um uh, parents on the right trying to book me, and I would have parents on the left trying to book me, and I'm trying to just book magic shows. Right, right. <laughs> this was before comedy, and, oh, and okay. it's like, and it's like no one ever thinks about that. It's like, well, this parents liberal, this parents. Uh, Republican or this pair conservative. I shouldn't have said that conservative. I've had groups of parents just get into wars and they use my Facebook as a way. I was like, I was like, guys, that's gotta be tough. Yeah. Keep it on your own page. Right. Go at each other on Facebook and just fight that way. (laughs) Yeah. But it's just, you know, you you, people don't think about that. And it's, 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 always um it, 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 I, it, I always surprise people like that and I, I says yeah man when when you when you're a kids magician and you're and you're booking kids you're not booking the kids you're you're not trying to impress kids you're trying to impress the adults <laughs> right because the kids aren't paying for you yeah and um you impress yeah. the kids when you go to the party but don't get me wrong. I have a, I, I, I love what I do and I love my job and I, I love my new comedy family. And, um, 
you know, comedians and magicians have that, like we're performers, we have that in common. And it's just yeah. so sometimes, sometimes it can be toxic. Other times it's great. You know, I don't handle conflict well is what I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, none of us really do. You've been there. You've seen the post. None of us really handle it well. <laughs> um, but I do think there, there is a, a line between magician and comedian and you are a very good example of blurring that line. Well, yeah, I mean, a, a lot of times for me is I'm not, I don't, I wouldn't consider, I consider myself to be a, like a, a family entertainer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I believe everybody has a right to their own style of comedy. Mm -hmm. So someone, I don't necessarily swear in my stand up comedy, but that's because I don't swear in uh my day-to-day -day life and it's not because i don't like to swear it's just because i used to get my get my mouth washed out with soap when i was five or six you know and it was lava soap because my dad was a mechanic and that was terrible oh huh? i have i have oh he had that like weird mechanic soap that was like stronger than all the other soaps and I was like, this is enough never to swear again. <laughs> is that yeah, Gizmo behind that, you? That's probably true, yep. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but it's just like, uh, it, and it's so funny because when I'm performing, as I like to call it, the Hawaiian shirt guy with the glasses, there's always this kind of weird dark undertone to the character where I like to build tension and I use, I, I build tension and it creates laughter. And that, because I think I've told you this, I really wanted to be super serious magician. I wanted to be David Blaine when I was a kid. Wow. But the problem is, is that unfortunately, just because of my timing and my cadence, I just generate laughter. And it wasn't until I was just like, fine. I'll be the goofy one. I am. Wow, I did not know that. I just wanted to be super serious. I wanted to be like naturally funny. It's like, think of a card. Was it the Ace of Spades? And then just I because okay, so in the eighties, the seventies and eighties, you had Doug Henning and Harry Blackstone Jr. And you had a lot of these guys and then there was, you know, the Doug Henning, but then you had David Copperfield. That's when I sort of started getting the magic, but I could relate more with David Blaine because I did card tricks and he did card tricks. And then Chris Angel came on the scene and I didn't do illusions, but I still re I still respect everybody. But yeah, I just wanted to be, I wanted to be David Blaine. I, <laughs> I did not want to joke. I was, I, it's like, but then I realized that it's not who I was as a, it's not who I was as a person. I'm going to make you laugh inherently just because of the, the, the way I talk, the way I use my blank, cold, soulless, dead eyes, you know, <laughs> Like doll's eyes. Nice. You know, I love that line from Jaws. They have they have jet black eyes. They're like doll's eyes. They don't have a soul. 
And I was like, yep, that that is pretty much how my eyes are. So, <laughs> yeah. um, and I use that. And it's like people when they when I first started doing comedy, it's like, oh, man, you're so deadpan. I love it. And I was like, I have no idea what that means. Is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? Oh, it depends. Yeah, and I was like, well, what? It's like, what does that mean? Please explain. And you know how comedians are, you know. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I didn't know what deadpan is. I did a lot of improv in college. I did, I did a lot of. Um, I just learned to use my physical comedy. That's what I excel in is physical comedy and. Um, but yeah, it's just, I learned how to, I, I also like being funny in a group of people. I like being part of a team. Um, that's why I like your open mic. Cause I feel like it, in, instead of it just being like, I feel like we're a team and we're putting together a show. Yeah. Like it's a team effort. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a, and it's I, 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 I think that, uh, you know, I, I like, I like open, it was, it wasn't a ghost. No, it wasn't. Um, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just letting you know. I didn't want no, to be It's a person. Um, I know. Um, you know, cause one of these, uh, you, you know, I, I'm sorry, but do you remember back in like 2003 when ghost hunting was uh, in, it was a craze, ghost hunting, right? There was ghost hunters and every show had a- Yeah, a lot, yeah, hunter. it was very- very popular yeah and i was thinking you know it would be a really funny skit where someone's doing a zoom meeting and there's like hey john who's that lady behind you and john looks around and then he can't see it and it's like it starts doing like funny things like it's like such strong penises or just like it you know it's like but john can't see it but everybody else can you know, I just, I always thought that would be funny. And you think. Yeah, that would be really funny. Yeah. And I, and, and I yeah. thought it was like, what is like, you think uh, if, if, if the pandemic happened back then, it's like, man, do you know how many ghosts would be on Zoom? And it's like, <laughs> you're dead. And it's like, you're dead and you have a Zoom. That's how, how this is. It's like, you passed away, you died in 1857, but man, you still found a way to get on Zoom. Oh man. You know, but yeah. it's like that was a very special time in history because it all really started with the learning channel because one uh, or A&E, it's like one month it was um, Siamese twins. The next month it was Amish. Remember how many shows about the Amish there were? And it's like <laughs> the Amish mafia. It was like, really? And then what, what was it? Um, then they had the little people, big world. And oh, yeah, I never got into all those. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like it all the learning channel just went crazy for like five years. Yeah. Like, they must have yeah, uh, people ate it up. It. I and think they're still like, are they still doing stuff? Aren't they uh aren't they doing oh, yeah. the, the property brothers? Isn't that them? Oh yeah. No, that's um that's uh the home and garden channel. Oh you yeah, you're right, those, you're right. You yeah. don't mess with those, you don't mess with home and garden people. <laughs> they're flipping houses and uh, yeah. they're going into flea markets and haggling with people. Yeah. I have a really, I have a really funny, I don't, I don't necessarily understand haggling um, just because of the way my brain's wired. 
So I'll go into a flea market and it's like, oh, how much is this? And it's like, it's $5 and I'll pay $5. And the guy's looking at me. He's like, you know, it's only worth two. <laughs> and I'm like, then why didn't you price it at two? It's like, you were supposed to haggle me down. I was like, okay, wait, number one, I have no idea what's going on here. And this guy got offended because I didn't haggle him down. It's like, what? Well, he got offended because you paid him more money yeah. than he really wanted. Okay. So that's a blessing. If you man. go to a flea market. There is literally every single flea market you go to. There's a guy who sells uh, whips like Indiana Jones. Yeah. That I wanted to buy a five foot whip that I oh. would eventually almost slice my ear off with. But... Were you going to, uh, were you going to take up lion taming? I don't know, but look, I'll tell you this. If you go to a flea market and you see somebody, it's like, it's like, it's like, oh, well, I've always wanted to own a butterfly knife. And then you end up cutting your finger off because mm -hmm. you don't know what a butterfly knife is. <laughs> Humans are inherently amazing creatures because we'll see somebody do something. And it was like, I want that now. Yeah. We, uh, I grew up in a special generation of kids who just, we just hurt ourselves. And um, so I wanted this whip. Uh, th this was like a hand knotted whip and the guy was selling them for like $25. And my grandfather, it was my grandfather. He's like, sure. <laughs> He's like, and I brought this whip home and my aunt was like, why do you have a whip? Why do you have a, no, no. <laughs> the question was, was why do you have a whip? But why is it real? Right. Why do you have a real five? Why do you foot? have that? You don't need that. And I was like, I want to use my, I want to use it for my magic. And it nullified the conversation. I almost sliced my ear off. I, and then, wow. and then what it is, is it, then I, it just existed in the closet. Yeah. I almost, I, you don't think it could slice your ear off, but oh man, it could slice your ear. It did, did it actually hit your ear or just, did it just come close? It, it, I, I did, a, I did, I did the, and it, it came back and hit me right in the side oh. of the head. Oh, wow. And I was like, that was enough for me to be like, you know what? I'm happy I got it, but we're just going to put it away. It was fun to play with for a month or two, but I'm done. Oh, it's <laughs> fun to play with for like five minutes. <laughs> until I um, yeah. but, but that's that's the crazy thing about, um, for me, growing up in the 90s, because I think I told this story in an open mic, is, um, and I, I know you got probably had this happen to you, is, my mom would trick us into going outside and she would lock the door so she could watch her programs. And then when lunch happened, she would trick us to come back in. <laughs> and then after lunch, she would use that same trick again to get us to go outside. And what did she say? She would open the window. She wouldn't, she wouldn't unlock the door. Be back before five, be back before supper time. And we were happy. We were just like roving bands of children in our yeah, neighborhood. I mean, yes. that's what I grew up. I didn't get locked out and tricked, but yeah. uh, I did spend most of my time outside and just wandering the neighborhood and getting into trouble with my friends. Yeah, and and it's like you played games like uh, kickball and uh, capture the flag, and uh, uh, you know, if you didn't have a ball, you would use like a can or something. And in the wintertime where I live in Connecticut, we did snowball fights. And there was always some, there was always some bigger teenager 
okay, there was one rule, no ice balls. That's well, when you Yeah, form. that's I don't even know about that because I'd never I didn't grow up in the snow yeah. and I never really been with in the snow. Yeah, no, no ice balls. There was always some ice balls. That's not a gross money. genital thing, right? No, no, God, no. Okay, good. No, no, uh, ice balls gave kids bloody noses because you would be like... Oh, wow, because, I mean, the ice is so hard, right? You just throw it, yeah. So where I lived back in the day, you had metal garbage cans, and those were the best because they came with a lid. So my grandfather cut the handle off of one of them, so one was a sled, and the other one you used as a shield to block but the rule was is that you had to put them back because of reason. I don't know, but yes. Yeah, so way, animals like, didn't get into the garbage, probably. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense, yeah. and um, they would anyway. But um, yeah, they probably would. But it's like uh, where I lived, we had a hill, but that hill was also like a, a road, so you would have the spotter at the bottom of the hill, and they would scream car, and hopefully you could jump off your uh you could jump off your uh um uh, uh lid before you got hit by a truck or something <laughs> but those were the risks you took you were a kid yeah. you, didn't, you yeah. didn't know and you would have a snowball fight and you would have a shield everybody had it everybody had garbage cans so we would have our shields and mm-hmm. remember when you were a kid and you found a stick that kind of looked like a gun and you, that was the best that was the yeah. best thing. yeah you found a broken chair and it looked like a nightstick and now you now you're a robocop and you just play you just be outside for hours and it was just great it but finding it stuff that looked like other stuff was my childhood mm-hmm. i don't know it's weird because thinking about that and like if i was a kid now you know because kids not only go outside and it's not mm-hmm. it's not just it's it's not safe it's not as safe as it was then no like. um and I, I know other comedians have touched on this is that people would go to door selling uh, Girl Scout cookies. They would have a little uh, red flyer wagon filled with cookies, and you, you yeah. just, that's how you got your, this, 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 and there was, she was, this girl wasn't accompanied by an adult. This, she would just trap, or you would have the, you would have the kid who was selling candy bars. Yeah, I was doing that. I was yeah. like uh, maybe 12. And I was just yeah. dropped off in a neighborhood or dropped off in front of a grocery store for hours. And then yeah. I eventually get picked up again, you know? Yeah. And, and, and it's like, um, and unfortunately I, I wouldn't, if I had kids, it's like, it, Oh, Halloween. Halloween was so much different when I was a kid. Yeah. For one, yeah. we use disgusting uh, pillowcases. Number one. Mm-hmm. They were literally the pillowcases you slept on every single night. Uh, Number two, uh, if you gave out fruit, your house was getting destroyed in my neighborhood. Now, when I was a kid, my dad, we weren't allowed to do that. That that was the one thing my dad got angry about. If I find out that you TP'd someone's house, mainly because he would have to go out and buy new toilet paper. But um, (laughs) uh, that was the way before the pandemic. It was me and my cousins and my dad and, you know, the parents had, were at a party and they were drinking and we would just canvas the entire, they would get, they would hop in a car. We would end up going like three blocks and, you know, we would walk, walk back and we would fill 
like four or five pillowcases with candy. And oh yeah, well if you if your house gave out fruit, yeah, your house was obliterated. That's it. That was it. The teenagers uh, locked in on your house, and it was that wasn't good. But I, we we were too young for that. Um, yeah. But and it's so funny because I remember because my mom loved candy, and it's like she rationed out our candy, and uh, she pulled out the bottom drawer of our '80s refrigerator, and the pile of candy just got smaller and smaller and smaller and it's like that was real that, that was one of the heartwarming moments i i have it's like where did all the kit kats reese's we got all like the candy she didn't like <laughs> you know but we did come home with like six or seven pillowcases of candy wow like, there was there was more candy than any one kid yeah could handle i remember so there had, being so much candy but i mean yeah. i would i think only get one pillowcase i never got six or seven that's crazy well yeah because it was me and my brother and my dad would just keep pulling out pillowcases and just switch and, them and out I, <laughs> and i think he did it for my mom which was sweet yeah but he, like i said my my uncle dave we we would go out and just we would as a group walk back to the house but Halloween started at like five or six and didn't end until nine thirty. So you had like three hours of just pure candy collecting. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And it's like, please take one. And then my little brother would just dump the entire thing into his. We all were guilty of that. Yeah, please take. I, one. I don't think, I don't think any kids ever just taken one. Get out of here! You, they knew. They knew they were just yeah, they didn't care. They didn't yeah. care because once it's empty, it's empty, you know. Yeah, and um, but then there was the houses that gave out the whole candy bars, and yeah, that house the king size was, ones. Yeah, that house was smart because they didn't get um their house didn't get destroyed. Um yeah. now here's a crazy thing because in my neighborhood, and this was a real thing. You know that thing that people do where, okay, you gave out crappy candy. You know that thing where you put dog poop in a bag and light it on fire? Yeah. Well, this group of teenagers was doing it, but the problem was the people weren't home to uh, stomp out the bag and it lit the people's porches on fire. <laughs> oh, no. So this group of teenagers literally committed arson all over Waterbury just because nobody was home no one was home <laughs> they would just light the bag and leave thinking somebody <laughs> but oh no they gosh, did that's so light, awful they did light someone's whole house on fire but that that was the Halloween that I grew up with and it's much safer now yeah can I ask you this though when you were out yeah. there trick-or-treating yeah was there snow because that would suck no um, it all depends because sometimes it did snow, but it it was oh god was it cold and you know you your 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 makeup on your face was like frozen and oh wow but it's it's imagine. really it's it's you know it's October thirty first and it really only starts to get cold right at the end of October so okay. so it's right, you know, and you're, on the cusp of getting really cold yeah and it's so funny because it's like parents spend upwards of like 40 bucks on a costume and then they have to put their kid's coat on and you know not my dad it's like i paid this much and you're gonna you wanted to be the terminator this terminator um, don't get cold 
<laughs> Terminator. That's oh my god, that's exactly is that what he said. Yeah, that should be a t- Terminator. Don't get cold, and neither do you. <laughs> you're a half. You're you're a robot, Paul. Yeah, play the like, role. Commit. I know. <laughs> like little, because there's a six year difference between me and my uh, little brother, and um, sometimes we 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 get nostalgic, like. I, uh, and again, you could probably relate with this because you're you're a little bit older than me. Um, I'm getting there. So um, my first, I remember when my dad brought home his first VHS player, his first videotape machine. Um, and I remember how big it was because there were two generations. There were the bigger VHSs. And then technology, it got smaller and they got smaller VHSs. And I remember the first two movies my dad brought home was Coming to America, Robocop, and Child's Play. Those are three great movies. And my mom was like, you think the kids should be watching this? And my dad was like, yeah, it's fine. I shouldn't have watched Robocop. I was, my brother was two. Uh, it's like my brother wasn't born. I was like, I was like five. It's like, oh, Robocop's a, an appropriate movie for a five-year-old to watch. It really wasn't. My favorite scene then, scene in that one was leave bitches. <laughs> it, it, it's, 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 it's like before that you had a guy snorting cocaine off of a, a, a prostitute's stomach. And then a dude breaks in and blows a guy's kneecap that was fantastic for a five-year-old Paul. To oh watch. yeah, absolutely. And here's a crazy child's play story. So that book, it started off as a book and it was based off a real toy called my pal buddy. Oh, wow. So the hero, like the, 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 whatever the doll was called, it was based off a real toy and I had one. So it scarred that movie scarred me as a kid. And then what I would do is I would purposely hide the doll. <laughs> oh no! So I would go off to school and I would hide the doll under my bed or something. And then my mom would come in, find the doll and put it on my bed. Oh, so it just kept reappearing. Yeah. Cause I would go to school and I would come home and I'm like, this thing's going to kill me. What was it called? My I pal. What? Huh? What was the doll called? My pal buddy. My pal buddy. Okay, I gotta look that up and see the picture of it. Yeah, and it, 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 that's what the that's what the I think it's called the good guy doll in the in the movies, mm. but it was called my pal buddy, and he was he was my buddy before that. And, and then uh, Chuck, he was like a broken version of that doll. Yeah, yeah, and he, he was a wow. serial killer who used voodoo and he put his soul into the into the thing. That was what the original movie was about. And this new one, oh no, spoilers, but the new one, it's technology. But uh, this isn't it, a movie it, podcast, Paul. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mostly, <laughs> but uh, um, I did just see the first coming to America, and I must say, it's yeah, really good. And then, um, so I took the My Pal Buddy, and we had this. Do you remember? We had this big sandbox in the backyard. It was like a big turtle. Yeah, I remember those. Yeah, absolutely. And then I basically took it and I dug and I buried it. Oh, wow. And, and I must have left the shell off the sandbox because my mom found it. And then she cleaned it and then put it on my bed. Are you sure that she found it? Or you sure, or do you think 
the doll was actually coming back to no, you? No, she. I remember talking to her about okay. this, but okay. in, in all honesty. And then basically what happened is, is my aunt, the one that I live with, when my parents are still together, she had this old sheepdog named Oliver. And this thing was huge and out of control and would take people for rides up and down our street. And I basically took this my pal buddy and just gave it to him and he tore it up into pieces. And I went to school and it turns out that my mom found it, got on the phone to my dad at work and said, it's like, oh, uh, Diana's sheepdog ate my pal buddy. My dad brought me home the my pal buddy doll and she put it on my bed. And I was like, fine, fine. If you're going to kill me, kill me. Oh, man. <laughs> and it's like, that's um, like a, that's like a horror movie just in itself. It just be just 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 me, six-year-old Paul, trying not to die from this doll. Wow, that's pretty uh, traumatic. Because when you're little, you just think things are real. Yeah. <laughs> and this thing kept just appearing out of nowhere, and <laughs> that's so funny. And it's just, it's mm-hmm. like I just put it in the toy box. If I had just put it in the toy box, she wouldn't keep putting it on my bed. Right, because she wouldn't no. think that you misplaced it. But you don't think. You don't think that way when you're a kid, but no, yeah, but yeah. No. Uh, it was uh, it was a golden child. It wasn't coming to him. It was a golden child with okay. Eddie Murphy. Okay, that's a good and one. Like, I definitely should have not. I shouldn't have watched RoboCop. That was a movie that was not meant for a five year old. Well, you know, I, I'm the... thinking it's awesome that his gun comes out of his leg. That's what I'm thinking about. And my dad's like, "Oh yeah, I like the part with the prostitutes." And I was like. I'm five. Why are we having this conversation? <laughs> it was a different time. You could traumatize children back then, and it was okay. Yeah, yeah. No, it wasn't. I was gonna say, uh, you should have watched <laughs> it, but it turned into it turned you into the Paul that you are today. I know. Uh, there's another scene in RoboCop where the men and the women they shower together, just like in Starship Troopers. Hi, Athena. Hi. She's like I a she's it. like a visual heckler. No, that's fine. I love it. Like it's security, gonna pod- security. It's gonna make the podcast funnier. Sorry, guys. Am I it's security? Can get some security here, please. No, I'm playing English. No, and uh, uh, but it it. I just think because I think back to some of the just even the movies that were for kids were Robo-Cat scary. Movies that were for kids or prostitute movies that are for kids. I'm just saying that it was a very, very slim margin. What was a kid's movie and what was an adult movie? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, back in those days, like, um, <laughs> I mean, as a kid, I was watching, you know, movies that you shouldn't watch. Well, it, it, I just, I thought it was interesting because I see the ki- the movies now for kids. And I'm like, where are the explosions? And I'm like, oh, that wasn't appropriate from when I was a kid. <laughs> but it's like, uh, just, it's prostitutes? like, it's like, um, like the movie witches that traumatize kids. Just talking, like, look at all dogs go to heaven. Tell me that's not scary if you're like five. That was one of um, my favorite movies. No, I know it, it is a, it is a good movie, but if you think about it, there's a scene where he just goes to hell. Yeah, <laughs> I, I haven't seen that movie since probably before I was ten years old. Um, no, yeah. so that should probably be on my to-do list because yeah. I would like to see that as an adult. 
seeing what what movies shaped my mind. Yeah, if you really sit down and think about it, when we were growing up, like okay, uh, just we'll take we'll take Snow White. It's about like a fourteen year old who gets tricked in eating an apple by a witch and has to be woken up with a kiss by a prince. And it's 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 it, like every all all kids movies from the seventies, eighties, and early nineties were just so dark when you think about it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Try not crying during Bambi. Yeah. This <laughs> it's like you need after a, after a Disney movie, some Disney movies, you need therapy. You need someone to talk to. You need to cry. Same thing with the Lion King, too. That's oh my sad. god, I can't I can't with that movie. Yeah. It didn't need to be remade. I'm <laughs> sorry. I haven't seen it. I gotta see it. I want to see it still. It's the same movie, except it's with realistic cgi animals so uh let's get back a little bit to the uh, advocate yeah you, uh, you oh yeah you got into uh, magic and you uh started you know you you started doing it and you kind of got into it but how do you feel being an advocate uh for autism like how does that make you feel it makes me feel really good to know that i can i i i really love making I really love when I'm like, especially when I go into special ed classes and I was like, you can monetize your weirdness. You have a skill. You can make money doing what you love. And just to see that click. Oh, I can. Oh yeah, you can, because I'm weird and I make money doing what I do. You know, and <laughs> I make I money just, because I'm weird. No, you do. It's like, it's like people will monetize their weirdness. Yeah. No, I mean, it's yeah. true. It's true. Yeah. Think people about it. That. You, you're, you're the host of an open mic. Mm -hmm. How many sets are weird? Like, it's like, yeah. it's like, it's like, are these people really like that in their life or is it an act? But I just think that's a hilarious way to put it. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you can say talent of, though too, instead of weirdness. No, yeah. It's like anyway, um, go I go ahead. into these special ed and uh, there was a lady there. Um, there was a there was a young lady and she loved to make um, furry costumes for her friends in anime. Oh, wow. And I said, well, you can make money doing that. It's like I try to get people to do the things that they love. Because I love what I do and I definitely have turned it into a career and yeah. um, you know, everybody has a unique story and a unique voice. And I feel like my job is to help people find out what that is, or most people know what it is. They just don't want to do it. So I try to inspire people with disabilities and without. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the pandemic kind of did it anyway, because there were a lot of people who just started doing open mics just because they were going crazy. They were going insane. Yeah, nothing better to do. Let's do some open mic. Oh, <laughs> That's what we love. That's what us professionals love. Yeah. <laughs> and, but those are the things that I, I really love to do. I love uh, talking to uh, young people. I like to you know, it's like, it's like, oh, so what do you want to do? But what do you really want to do? How do you really, how do you plan on making money? And it's like, I, I, I and I'll never forget. 
two years ago, I was doing a presentation in high school and a young man came up to me and he's like, um, I draw, I draw my own Pokemon cards. How wow. can I do this? And I said, there is definitely a market for that. Yeah. Custom there is Pokemon a market. Hand-drawn. And he, yeah, he showed me his hand-drawn Pokemon cards. And I said, these look like, it's like these were actual pictures, but they actually look like you could take them out, but they were just drawn on a piece of paper. And I said, even if you weren't drawing Pokemon, my hit, my favorite line is like, I can only draw Pokemon really well. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure that you could draw. Cause yeah. he was like, what he was doing is drawing photo realistic of Pokemon of how they would look in wow. real world. And I said, well, Charmander is just like a little dinosaur. I'm sure you can draw other things well. You just like to draw that. That's mm-hmm. fine. Yeah. He was an artist. He was a very good artist. And I said, you know, you can make money just doing art. Yeah. And he's like, yeah. And I says, yeah. And I don't know what he's doing now, but oh man, this this kid was his his art was just and I it's like for me. It's a waste not to, there was another kid. I went in, this kid, um, sometimes when you're on the spectrum, you have the ability to like perfectly tune an instrument or sing in a specific key. This kid was like a crazy bassist, but you know, he was so, he was so good and so talented. And he's like, I want to do this for the rest of my life. And I said, bro, start a band, get into a band. Make yourself a YouTube channel. You, yeah. <laughs> I said, you have the talent inside you. You just have to get people. Like I said before, I found my tribe over the internet. Mm-hmm. And it's getting people. I guess what it is, is I get people. Like, um, I have friends all over Connecticut who are in bands. And this kid is sick, nasty. And he's just sitting there. He's just sitting there with his headphones on. I unplugged his headphones and he was, he, he, he was, he was in tune playing better than the band, the bassist in the band he was listening to. And I was like, you have a skill, you have a skill. Like my magic is a skill. I developed it over 25 years as I've been a magician for almost 30 years. I think I started when I was nine. I don't know. That wasn't a question, you know, but it's just like, I love to entertain. That's, that's my skill but it took me a long time to get in front of people yeah uh, like to get the nerve to go in front of people yeah it's just because i only ever just wanted to manipulate cards i never wanted i never wanted to do kid shows somebody just said it's like you should do kid shows because there's money in it and i was like okay and i did have i had no direction well paul (laughs) Can I point out how incredible that is? That you have this talent that you had no direction with and somebody told you, hey, you can do something with this. You can make money with this. And now you are, you know, you're seeing some success here and you're turning around and you're going to kids who are an amazing bass player or an amazing Pokemon artist. And you're telling them, hey, you have some talent here. You can do something with this. And that's like completely full circle. I love that. Yeah. And it's like, it's even like, you know, with Athena, you, you, your your what your wife Athena? Yeah, I know. She's her. an amazing artist. She is. And, and like, um, in my my thought process is is like we got to get her out there. 
Yeah, absolutely. We got to make her super busy so we stress her out. That that's <laughs> there is mission no accomplished, middle. Paul. Mission accomplished. Yeah, there is no middle ground for me. It's either we're it's we're going zero to a hundred. We don't. Yeah. I don't care about how you feel, but I'm going to make. <laughs> Um, yeah. but that's when Rebecca my fiance pulls me aside and you know he's like it's like I like your passion but you know what this is how you drive people away and I was like okay but yeah I uh I commissioned uh, uh Athena and I and I'm in I'm super excited and I'm gonna make it a part of my um press kit or I'm gonna put wow. it on my and but it, but it's just like everybody has an inherent natural skill and a you know, um, as soon as you tell yourself you can't do something that you've lost. Yeah. Hey, speaking of Athena, um, yeah. she wants to do a, a, a audio heckle instead of just a video heckle. Yeah. And she wants to, to ask you something. Is that yeah, okay? go ahead. Yeah. I, I just wanted to ask, Paul, when you, you are advocating for these kids, do you think that... Um, they're not aware that they can do these things because they've been told they have all these limitations on them? Um, more so when I was a kid, you see how it kind of works when you interact with the kids is they understand that they have a skill, but they don't realize it's, it's kind of like this. When I was a kid, I just, thought this is card magic was a hobby I didn't realize I had it I didn't realize it was a skill like the kid who drew the photo realistic Pokemon was like this is my skill he was showing me he liked to draw Pokemon but then I looked at it and I said you know you can make money at this so what it is is that people on the spectrum and people with disabilities they may not know that they can and they may not want to pursue it uh, they might not want to get um, it may not be like a business, mm -hmm. but I make them aware that everybody has an inherent natural talent and um, you can monetize it. And the more work you put into it, the better you'll get. So um, to more specifically answer your question, a lot of these kids realize like a lot of these kids are super good artists, but um, they're not looking for that because it's it's just a hobby to them. My job is to go in there and get them to realize it's like, yeah, your artwork is like you could draw a portrait of somebody and it looks like a you'd be looking at like a digital photo and then they can reproduce that. Um, so that's what I do. I go in and talk to these kids. I explain to them I'm autistic and this is how I express myself and I turned it into a job. So um, I hope that answered your question, but uh, more specifically is, is a lot of these kids don't necessarily realize that they have a skill because to them it's something they do that makes them feel good. So yeah, that, that, yeah. that's how I'm gonna answer that question. It's like when I first started doing card magic, it's just something I do. It's actually something called stimming. It's a series of actions done over and over again, and it produces a calming effect. And it could just be watching water go down a drain. It could just be staring into your own reflection. 
me, it was just not doing card tricks, but like spreading the cards between my hands or turning over the top card or not, not even, uh, not even magic, just, uh, just basic manipulation I could do for hours. I, I lose track of time. So I hope that answered your question. Yeah, I think so. It did. Thank you. I think so. Um, so I do want to, I mean, we should be getting cutting this off pretty quickly, but yeah. <laughs> um, I do want to ask you, since we're talking about you and your history and your magic and things like that, um, do you remember when you were first inspired when like you, cause uh, you were, you know, born with a deck of cards in your hand. So yeah. like what it was that made you decide that that was something you wanted to learn and that wasn't you wanted to pursue, like what, what, so, what, when you were drawn to it, I guess. Okay. So I often tell people this, I've always had a natural affinity to playing cards. Um, when I was a little kid, my paternal grandfather uh, visited me. And he only visited me a couple of times. And one of the times he visited me, he showed me how to cut a deck of cards with one hand. And he taught me how to, and I practiced oh, wow. it over and over again. And like I said, I would, I didn't know any tricks. I didn't know how to do, I didn't know how to do anything. So I went down to the local library and this is, you know how they say it's like things were meant to happen. Mm -hmm. Well, in the town of Plainville, the children's librarian of the Plainville Public Library was an amateur magician, children's entertainer, and puppeteer. So she filled the kid, like the kids section in the Plainville Public Library. Now, most libraries have a magic section with two or three books. There were three shelves full of books. Wow. So, like I said, sometimes I believe that things are were meant to go together because mm -hmm. I would just, and I was so hard for me to read those magic books and I forced myself and I reread and I wrote out the tricks. And, you know, when you read a magic book, you never really know if you're actually uh, doing the, the intended routine that the person who wrote it down with, unless you meet them in real life. I had the honor of meeting uh, a magician that I bought a book from him and he's like oh uh I just want to let you know that the trick you're doing from my book you've essentially created your own version of it because that's not the way it's supposed to look in real life but I like the way what you came up with so you can read a magic book and you know it, it happens to everybody it's just you just end up creating your own unique way of doing it so yeah. you know just uh rome wasn't built in a day but the romans didn't build it that's what i always say <laughs> that's that I, sh I shouldn't say that uh it, everything takes time so people are looking at the when they watch me do a card trick or play with my cards they're looking at the sum total of 27 years of practice you know, it's like when you like when you go up and do comedy, you've been you said you've been doing comedy for 12 years, uh, like a little over 10, like 10 and a half. OK, so you've been doing comedy for 10 years when you when somebody goes up and sees you, they're looking at the sum total of 10 years worth of writing and mm -hmm. performing. But they see you for the first time and they're like, oh, yeah, he's a real comedian. They yeah, don't realize don't how see much, the journey. Yeah, they don't see it. 
Mm-hmm. And that's sometimes that's frustrating because you'll be on an open mic and you'll see somebody who's very talented and they get so bummed out because everybody's on mute and they don't realize that in real comedy and Zoom comedy are the same things, but there are a couple of slight differences in the fact that somebody might be eating a bag of potato chips and they don't want to ruin your set. And potato chips, I found, are the loudest freaking things known to man or <laughs> the crinkling of the crinkling of the microphone yeah yeah and uh anyway but yeah i I really appreciate this podcast uh the 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 next one we'll do i'll be more funny so i'm sure you're going to be editing these this this one podcast could be 10 podcasts so no it's a little over an hour (laughs) i think i think we had a lot of a lot of good fun stuff talked about the chucky thing's gonna i'm gonna be thinking that about that for that's God. crazy. I can't believe that that doll kept coming yeah. back to you. That's... Yeah, well, it's 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 kind of like everybody when when you're little, everybody has that one thing that scares them. It could be it's like I was afraid of heights or I was afraid of dogs or I was afraid of swimming. Yeah. And I never got over that. Thing. I never got over it. I wanted to yeah, get over I'm afraid it. of heights too. I mean, and I still am to yeah. this day. And I it's like, little, like I get a little uh yeah, um, enough of a little bit of uh, 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 what is it? Dramamine wouldn't care. What is it? Is it called Dramamine? You know, the, there is. The, yeah, the, that's that's what you take for like motion sickness. I think. Yeah, yeah you know, it's just like you for take trying. a couple of like you take a couple of clonopin and you, <laughs> you know because it's um, like uh, hopefully after Zoom comedy and we all start traveling and stuff where you know. I have to travel across the country to get to California, but I, I'm I, I'm coming. That's not a threat, but it is. Um, but yeah, that's pretty scary, Paul. <laughs> I guess. Hey, so before we before we wrap things up, yeah. you are a busy man in the month of March. You've done a few yeah. things. Uh, you were just on the Autastic uh, podcast, Autastic Artist podcast with Dante yeah. Barnett. Yeah, and uh, you have some shows coming up. Uh, this weekend and next week, do you want to like go ahead and let's put, plug some? Um, of those? I can't remember which show. <laughs> um, you have okay, a birthday so show. I do know that. Uh, There's uh, a birthday show. Okay, so my birthday show is on March 14th, and that's run by Alicia Rain. It's a pop up open mic that she's running in honor of my birthday. You Ooh. can sign up through that. I believe on the, I believe our show, our mic that we're doing, uh, is it on the 13th? It's the next day. It's the the Monday, the 15th. Okay. So it's the 15th and that's an open mic where it's the first time I'm going to be hosting, but you're doing the open mic from the point of view of your cat. And I just want to say this, if you have an animal and you want to do a set from that point of view, I just thought cats are inherently funny. But if you want to do it from your rabbit or your your little dog or your dog, that's fine. But as long as it's coming from the point of view of it, uh, some kind of animal. And it's like, I think it'd be funny if it's like, okay, now I'm a squirrel outside. And it's <laughs> I know, who knows where it could go? Where it could go. <laughs> it's like, please spill more birdseed on the ground. Uh, <laughs> I'm afraid of this hawk that moved into the neighborhood. And then you're doing one the next day, too. I unfortunately don't remember what it is, though, but I remember it. I seen uh, the poster. So I think that's Henry Pullen's uh, Midnight Movies. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, that's what it is. Um, and then I'm doing something with Haley Hackett, but I'm waiting for the poster. 
I'm doing something with Kim Nash, I think the 27th. So um, I'm doing an in-person show with Brian Barbecue at Black Pond Brews in Connecticut. Um, uh, and then um, whoever contacts me about doing an open mic, I, I hopefully I'm going to be on your showcase one of these times. Yeah, I'd love to be on your showcase. I don't know how long the showcase is going to last, but we'll see. It's okay. I have a feeling that you'll figure it out because yeah. I still think they're worth doing. But like I said, I just might, I just might make it like a Wednesday or something instead of a Saturday. Yeah. You, like I said, you, you, I always tell people, it's like, if you really want to do something, you'll figure out a way to do it. But you yeah. know, yeah, that the, the pull of doing live comedy is coming back. So I can understand why uh, a lot of showrunners, but I always think there will be Zoom comedy. I think this is a, I think this is a really great platform for especially where yeah. people who can't get around and still want to do it. I do too. Um, I do too. I think um, I think I'm gonna run Zoom shows as long as I can. I really yeah. enjoy doing my Friday mic. I yeah. really really enjoy that. Yeah. Um, so I'm gonna keep those shows around as long as possible. But I think even in the future, if I'm personally not running any Zoom shows there still yeah. will be Zoom shows to be had. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, like I said, um, we've, I, you know, the fact that every, I think it's kind of a little weird that people just think that once uh, the world, uh, it, the world gets vaccinated. No, Zoom's around forever now. Yeah, it's, it a, it's, it's a thing. It's, it's, it's a part of our, it's a part of our way yeah. of life now at this point. How cool, really it, how cool was it to just work from home you know? <laughs> I haven't done that yet. So, um, yeah, I have a lot, a lot of stuff coming up and a lot of projects that I'm going to, we will like, this is a project I'm working on with you. And yeah, I'm excited. Um, uh, I have a, I have a lot of projects that I'm going to be working on kind of like, um, uh, you know, shows and stuff mm -hmm. like that. I'm not saying that I want to be a showrunner. I don't think that's where my skill in comedy is. But I do, I do enjoy interacting with comedians. So I think this, this has been a really good platform. And I agree. Um, I haven't annoyed anybody yet. So it, I think that it, it, everything is going to be fine. And if I have, people haven't told me. And that's their problem, not mine. Um, honestly, like, what are the chances that I would know you right now? If there was no pandemic, sure, yeah. there's 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 a possibility I could I could have known you, but I yeah. still wouldn't have gotten as close to you as I am without the Zoom. Uh, yeah, that we've, that we've you know uh, come to to use for our, our everyday life. So yeah, you know, I'm it's just like, that I have gotten to know awesome people through this pandemic and through the Zoom. Yeah, pandemic. and um, you know, I just really am thankful that and and for 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 lack of a better term i think zoom comedy made a lot of stopped a lot of people from going insane yeah yeah <laughs> you know? yeah performers are very special people and they like to perform um you uh have any social media to plug uh i have my instagram and i gotta be careful about this because one's my venmo and I, i'm not trying to get people to <laughs> send me money so my uh my i believe my instagram is paul kilmer five i believe that's and, accurate 
Okay, good. Because my Venmo is Paul Kilmer too. And I always, I had someone call me back. I had somebody says, it's like, no, that's a Venmo. And I was like, I'm sorry. But if you want to send me money, you can. But You're like, if you, like, if you Venmo me $5, I'll take my real uh, Instagram. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just kidding. That's, I'm not, I'm only good at my jokes. Um, uh, <laughs> and then uh, hit me up on my Facebook because it's the quickest way to get a hold of me. Um, I respond within seconds. Um, seconds. I'm a millennial. Um, then uh, what else? Um, yeah, like I said, I plan to be using Instagram. Um, but the Facebook is kind of more my speed. Um, just getting on new social media platforms is stuff that I'm working on and you know I'm a Facebook guy that's my speed but I'm all about the face I'm all about the Instagram I still have to figure out how to make a post you know <laughs> but uh that that that's good it's like yeah I'm, I'm pretty easy to follow um I'm always looking to collaborate with other people like I said I have an improv background so I like being part of a team and I like uh, inspiring others to do the best they can. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, I feel like what we did today was really funny. And, you know, I, I got awkward story. I have stories. I, <laughs> um, oh, Haley you, Hackett, I'm sure you do. Yeah. Haley Hackett mm-hmm. has a really good open mic. I think it's on Mondays. Yeah, it's like a storyteller's mic. Yeah, it's a storytelling I mean, mic. It's, I, it's I haven't, really, oh, go ahead. Yeah, it's a really cool mic. Um, uh, I don't. I think Joe Gorman has a really good mic on yeah. Wednesdays. I don't know how long. I think I can never tell if he's joking or not, but I, I, I hope he keeps at least his Wednesday mic going. But he's a he, you know he's a touring comedian. So um, and then there's your mic on Fridays. There's a lot of options if you want to get out there and you know try and make people laugh. And I do. A spe- specified try because sometimes it doesn't always work out and uh through no fault of your own but you know you know you know, um one thing i love about joe gorman yeah is uh he'll do his zoom mic and he, he he'll talk about how like how zoom is the best and in-person comedy is yeah. horrible and it's terrible and this and that and how zoom comedy is here to stay and in-person comedy is dead and then you watch the videos he does on in-person comedy he's like in-person comedy is way better zoom sucks yeah. and it's, just, <laughs> it's funny how like he has that that yeah. he just plays both sides of it i love that well yeah and it's like uh, i i i like joe and he definitely is a he has a unique performing style that i respect and i respect yeah, i respect your performing style i, I, re- I respect everybody's but uh, it's just like there's so many open mics and displaced and shout out to nico lukoff for you know you know doing what he does and uh then there's the yeah. guild of opportunity which is an, an another cool place to go um ham and brian are awesome and all the there there's definitely a unique uh there's definitely a unique unique you know it's like comedy changes and evolves you know but you know we were trying going to end this (laughs) yes because i ramble (laughs) yeah so i don't know if we want to do like a weekly thing or a monthly thing but i'm thinking like let's just not put a label on it let's just do it whenever we 
are able to do it and have fun with it. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, that's um, that's my attack sharpie. If I've if I'm ever doing a card trick and people are uh, giving me a hard time, this is like this will I can tase people with this, but you know. Well, people can't see this. This is only audio, but that was pretty. Scary. Yeah, I know. It's just like I can't even put it put the cap on now, so I'm just gonna. So that's a sharpie that turns into like a big old cane. Uh, no, it's actually a, a kettle prod, but you know, it's, oh, it's, it's a kettle prod. Um, no, it's a note. cane, but you know, I just, I, 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 I like, I liked it, and you, you're not supposed to leave it, and it's, I, I had to do that, or it, it'll, it, it'll break, and oh, I see, it was thirty bucks, so I just, <laughs> we nobody ever wants to talk about how expensive magic is, and we'll talk about uh, it. We'll talk about it someday, Paul. Yeah, because it, it, it's all people's ideas. So you know. Anyway, let's we, we got to end because. Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much, Paul. Yeah, no this problem. has been a lot of fun. Um, I do look forward to the next one. 